Good evening. Welcome to the Good Friday service at Communitas Church. We are a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples who walk in grace, who grow in faith, who connect in groups to generously serve in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. My name is Mike Geary. I'm the pastor here, and this is a, a different type of service than normal. On a normal Sunday, we would, uh, we would talk about communion. We would talk about preaching. We would talk about the way that we worship in a number of different ways. We would have a time for the children to head to the back. Today is a, a different type of service. Today is a type of service where we, we hang in the tension. Because this is the day that we remember what our Lord did for us. This is the day that we call to mind the sacrifice of Jesus, the death of Jesus. And while we can look back through the 2020 view of, of hindsight and, and knowing what we know now, it's important to remember that before we got to Sunday, Jesus went through Friday. And so as we sit here today, we hang in that tension. And often in, in the Western world, and in, in, especially in, in some of our evangelical circles, it's easy to move to resolve that tension. Easy to try to make the pain go away. Easy to move past guilt to grace. And while we cling to grace, today we're going to take some time to reflect to hang in the moment, to feel the tension. So we will we'll have some readings of Scripture. We'll have a time of singing. Uh, Chris will do a, a, dr- a dramatic reading. I'll come up and, and speak a few words, and we'll sing a few songs. And so, as always, we want to root our service and our time together in Scripture. So Tammy will start us off uh, out of a reading from uh, John chapter 19. This reading is from John 19, 1-30. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, He was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. 
From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for this place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each shoulder, soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the work is done. We have nothing to prove, nothing to earn. We humbly give thanks for the ultimate sacrifice of your Son. Place us today in your hands. Help us to surrender ourselves. Draw us near to you, God. Help us to remember the lessons that were on the cross, caring for the needy as Jesus gave his mother to John to be taken care of, to ask for forgiveness, to be there for each other, to help each other draw near, Lord, and help us just to bow on our knees and come before you today and humbly be your servants and to remember the sin that has put you on this cross. In your son's name, amen. Uh, I invite you to stand.
But tonight, if you also feel like you need to sip, that is okay, too. Um, sing with me. But if you need to be silent tonight, too, and just meditate on these words, that's okay, too. Or just pray to this God of infinite love. I am a man who views life simply. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Life is not as complicated as we make it out to be. I tend to see things in black and white. Many people see gray areas in life, but I don't. And that's why I've, I've found it difficult to forgive myself for what I did. I know you invited me here to tell you about the cross, and I will. But I need to share with you some events that preceded the cross, like the Passover supper we shared. It was different from any uh, Passover supper I'd ever been before. While we were eating and drinking, uh, Jesus kept talking about his, his body and his blood. We didn't realize, really understand uh, what, he, what he was talking about. We just followed his lead. Hey, that's nothing new. To be honest, most of us who followed Jesus didn't understand a third of what he said. Either it was over our heads or we were too busy arguing about things that didn't really matter to catch the words of our teacher. That night, we were definitely paying attention. We just didn't understand. But we ate the bread and drank the wine and went on with the evening. Following supper, Jesus asked us to go with him to the garden. This was nothing new either. Jesus liked to pray in the garden, and we liked to listen to him pray. His prayers to God were so different than anything we had heard before. I remember him praying for us one time. Instead of a, a peasant speaking to a king, it was like a, a child asking his father to do things for him. I loved his prayers. But this night was different. Instead of us, all of us praying together, Jesus said to most of us, Stay here while I go further into the garden and pray. We began to sit down, and he motioned to Peter, James, and me to follow him a little further into the garden. So we did. He stopped, turned around, and said to us, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he left us and went further into the garden. Peter looked at me and said, John, what is he talking about? I assured him I, I didn't know, but that we should pray. We all agreed and began to pray silently. Our first mistake was praying silently, and our second was lying down after a meal. I don't know when the other guys drifted off, but I barely got uh, Dear Heavenly Father out of my mouth before I fell asleep. I was awakened by Jesus' voice. Couldn't you stay with me for one hour? I looked down in shame as he asked us again to stay watch with him. We all tried, and before I knew it, I was asleep again. I was ashamed to find out later from Peter that Jesus came back a second time while we were sleeping. Peter said he looked at us, but said nothing, like a father looking at his child who could not perform a simple task. The father did not get mad, but he longs for his children to grow and learn. Peter confessed that he wanted to say something to Jesus, but was at a loss for words. In silence, Jesus went back to pray. Finally, Jesus came back a third time to where we were. He woke us up and told us, The hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hand, hands of sinners. Then things got crazy. Judas showed up with a large crowd of people with swords and clubs. He walked right up to Jesus saying something like, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed Jesus on the cheek. 
He betrayed Jesus with a kiss of friendship. Traitor! Then Peter, oh Peter, he grabbed the sword and cut off this guy's ear. Jesus stopped Peter and told him to put, put up the sword. Then he reached down and picked up the ear and placed it right back on the guy's head. And then, then we all lost it. James took off one way, Peter then another, and I, I'd like to tell you I stayed to defend my Lord, my teacher, my friend, but I didn't. I got scared and ran away just like the rest of the guys. I ran and hid, and in this moment of need I left him. We all left him alone. As I understand it, they took Jesus through a bunch of trials throughout the night, made a mockery of justice. They had tried to convict it. They had tried and convicted him before he ever set foot in front of the religious leaders. They just had to figure out a way to get their job done. But because Jewish law could not quench the thirst for blood, they took Jesus to the Romans. Governor Pilate wanted nothing to do with Jesus and tried to pawn him off on Herod. Herod saw Jesus as just some sort of magician. But when Jesus refused to speak, much less perform for Herod, he was mocked and sent back to Pilate to deal with. The religious leaders had decided they needed blood, and with the crowd behind them, Pilate wasn't about to disappoint them. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to death and washed his hands of the entire affair. I don't remember who it was that came and told me, but when I heard they were going to kill Jesus, I realized just how cowardly I had been. If I had known this was going to happen, if I would have stayed awake and prayed, if I had, things, things could have been different. But this is the way things were, and I was powerless to stop it from happening. I found Jesus' mother, Mary, and told her what I knew. Then I went with her and a few other women to the place of the skull. By the time we got there, they had already stripped him and were about to nail him to the cross. At first, I didn't believe it was him. He was, he was unrecognizable. His face was swollen from the beating after beating of the soldiers. Later, when I heard his voice, I knew for certain it was my friend. I couldn't believe it. Just hours earlier, we were eating together, and now this was happening. One of the guards approached Jesus, knelt down, and he held a spike to his wrist. He raised his arm, and with a strong swing, tore through Jesus' flesh right through the wood beneath Jesus screamed in anguish and pain. Mary fell to the ground, weeping uncontrollably. The cold soldier continued hammering until the nail was securely in the cross. He then stepped over Jesus' body and proceeded to drive a second nail through Jesus' other wrist. I could not bear the sound of my friend screaming out in pain, so I bowed my head and I covered my ears. But it was to no avail. A second soldier knelt by Jesus' feet, he crossed Jesus' ankles and with the precision of a surgeon drove a nail through both feet into the wood of the cross. Then with an intricate set of ropes and pulleys, the soldiers raised up the cross with Jesus on it. As the cross slipped into the hole in the earth, it hit the bottom of the hole with a thud. You could hear the sound of his flesh tearing as the weight of his body shifted from the wood of the cross to the spikes that held him there. I sat and watched my friend writhe in pain and wondered why a man so pure, so innocent should suffer in such a degrading way. 
My attention shifted from the cross to the soldiers. They were hovering at the foot of the cross like dogs, scavenging for Jesus' garments. They gambled for his clothes as if any of them were worthy to wear them. I then noticed the people who were walking by hurling insults at him. They shouted, He saved others. Why can't he save himself? Why couldn't they stop long enough to listen to what he had said? I would often wondered what would have happened to them if some of them would have simply stopped to listen. Yet in their busy life, they didn't have the time to listen to someone who spoke to God as if it were his right instead of a privilege. My attention was then drawn to the religious leaders who also hurled insults at him. You were going to tear down and rebuild the temple. Look at you now. I was so angry with these people. You were, who were they to be at the foot of the cross where my friend hung? Who were they to walk by and hurl insults at him? Who were they to stand where they're so smug? They had turned their backs on God and his servant, and I was ready to shout at them. But before I could say a word, Jesus spoke. His voice was raspy and tired and weak. The same voice that had called forth the dead and calmed the sea. The voice that years early had said to me, Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Now spoke again, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Forgive them? Forgive them? What was he thinking? They were killing him, and he pleaded for their forgiveness? Unbelievable. I think judgment was called for, swift and sure judgment. They had forsaken God's chosen one, and they deserved the very punishment Jesus was receiving for nothing. Now, how does an innocent man hang on the cross, dying, call out for these guilty people to be forgiven? I wanted to shout at the top of my lungs at them. I wanted to tell them they were so wrong and they had, they would pay for their actions. But before I could say a word, Jesus began to speak again. This time to Mary. Woman, here is your son. He was speaking of, he was speaking of me. I looked in disbelief at his disfigured face. His eyes met mine and he spoke to me. Here is your mother. Jesus asked me to take care of his mother. At that moment, I realized that I was no better than any of the people standing at the foot of the cross that day. I had turned my back on God's servant just hours earlier in the garden, yet instead of chastising me for my lack of loyalty, he showed me his forgiveness by giving me the responsibility of taking care of his mother. What could I say in return? I was ready to cry out how sorry I was, but before I had a chance, he spoke. He took a deep breath, and in an almost triumphant hoarse voice, he said, It is finished! And he breathed his last breath. Before I could apologize, before I explain things to him, he, w- he was dead. And he was dead because of me. We give the disciples a lot of grief. And sometimes we think, how, how could they have been so foolish? How could they have been so cowardly? How could they have been so blind? How could they have missed it? It was so plain. I think we've missed it too. When the chief priests 
And the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. We weren't satisfied with a little bit of blood. We wanted death. How often do we escalate and perpetuate tension and evil? Where in life, maybe today, maybe this past week, have you shown vengeance where you should have shown grace? When Pilate heard the statement, he was even more afraid and he entered his headquarters and Jesus said, and he asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate's concerned that he's some sort of man with power, perhaps a, a demigod akin to, his, to Pilate's own Roman religion. How often do we have the inkling that we are in front of something great, someone great, but we let that inkling fade away for our own self-image? How often do we hear the Spirit's voice? but seek to drown it out, to maintain the status quo, to uphold our veneer. So when Pilate heard the words of of the Jews singing out, if you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar's. When he heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat. Pilate's self-interest allows him to dismiss justice and execute the innocent. In what ways do we put our own self-interest before others? The religious leaders want to hurry up and get him up on a cross. Why? Because the next day is the Sabbath, and, they, and it's a very special Sabbath, and so they can't have a, a dead man hanging on the cross, and so they need to hurry up and get him up on the cross so they can hurry up and, and, and get him down. Hurry up to do evil before the Sabbath. This should land especially hard on any of us longtime churchgoers. How often do we promote right action, thinking that we can do right before we are made right? How do we miss it? They're dividing up his garments, and and there's four soldiers, four garments, and and then they, they come to the inner garment is seamless, woven of one piece. Like the one that the high priest would have worn. And just like the high priest's garment was not to be torn, neither was Jesus' garment torn. Just like the garment that the high priest wore when he atoned for our sins, the extreme admiration that we show for anything other than God, the sexual sins, the relationships at trinkets, which never satisfy, 
because they're about maintaining status instead of service. Our unloving attitude toward others, our self-centered sense of community, duality at work, home, life, seeing everything and everyone, or seeing everything as competition and everyone as a rival. Our anger, our apathy, our dissension, all of these were sins that they would have atoned for. And yet we sought to strip Christ of that. Just as God lovingly provided Adam with clothing after the fall, so we stripped the second Adam. And despite all this, he cries out, It is finished. It is done. Nothing more needs to be done to atone for the sins of us all. The measure of grace is not our remorse. The measure of grace is the cross. Calvary is the measure of the hatred for sin by the triune God. And so this begs the question, what is done? Jesus' mission on earth. To come to show us how to live. How to die. To rise again. That we too would know that resurrection power. There are no sacrifices, no more sacrifices to be done in order for our sins to be atoned for. For the high priest Jesus said that it is over. And just as Jesus hung on the cross, I pray that we would hang in that tension today. And that we wouldn't simply pray to Jesus, but we would pray with Jesus. And seek to hear what He's doing in our life. And as we go through and we think about the sins for which He atoned for, what is He doing? How is He speaking? How is He moving within you? How are you becoming more like Him? And as we hang in that tension, may we also know that this one thing is certain, that it is done. And so as Kelly comes back up, and as we sing songs, may we pray with Jesus. Behold your King. It is done. So Jesus, may we see you clearly. May we see what, what's been missed for so long. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see. The man, Jesus. Your son, Jesus. Our Lord, Jesus. Our God, Jesus. It was part of the plan. From the very beginning. It wouldn't be by our works, 
for anything that we would do, but by something that God would do. And it cost much. And it took pain. And so as we continue to go about the day today and throughout this weekend, we take the time to reflect and to remember about who Jesus is and what he did for us and what his spirit enables us to do now, the grace that has been extended to us. May you go in peace. May the Lord bring you back here safely Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to hear the rest of the story.